0: Welcome to Colonial Baptist Church. Good morning. Oh, it's so good to hear from you. It's so good to see you out there as well. I know that we have people worshiping in here. And uh, then also in multiple rooms across uh, the campus here today. Uh, we're looking forward to a special service, very special service on this Lord's Day. Uh, I will be uh, speaking from Genesis chapter 14. Of course, we'll sing and pray together as is our normal custom on the Lord's Day. Uh, but then we'll also... Uh, be able to observe the public baptism of nine individuals today. Uh, We're looking forward to that and rejoicing with them. And then after they're done, we're going to have, I think, seven others give testimonies, uh, public testimonies, so that they can join our church. So that's a little bit of what we have to look forward to today. Uh, During the service, uh, we have uh, special things available for your children. And so we have nurseries ages zero through three. And then K4 through third grade, we have junior church going on right now. Uh, And so if your children are interested in that during one of the first breaks here, uh, or maybe during the song, you can uh, go back to the Welcome Center and you can talk to them and they'll help you check in your child and get them to Children's Church um, if they would like to participate uh, in that way here today. Uh, Before we formally begin, I just have a few announcements. I'm going to streamline this a bit to make sure that we can have plenty of time for the more important parts uh, to the service. But if you have a bulletin, you can pull that out. I just wanted to let you know that there's going to be a graduation service for our seminary next Sunday night at 5 o'clock. And so we would invite you to come back and to join us and be a part of that service uh, where we celebrate with those who've made it the whole way to the end of their master's programs Uh, in our seminary and so uh, please join us make a note that's uh, unusual time five o'clock Sunday night Uh, please come and be a part of that Uh, also there's uh, some information about our missionaries uh, Rod and Lindy Kidd and so please look that over they are actually uh, nearing the end of their time in Germany and they they put some very specific requests about how they can finish strong Rod has several opportunities to preach in the weeks ahead so please be in prayer for them uh, before their retirement And then one that's not in your bulletin, uh, Pastor Thomas would like to meet with the parents of teenagers uh, just after the service, today. So we'll give you about five minutes or so, and then we invite you to join him. Uh, And there, there was a little bit of a mixed report on this, but the meeting will be in the church chapel. Okay, so five minutes after the service, parents of teens, you're invited to the church chapel for that meeting with Pastor Thomas. Let me invite you to stand uh, so we can formally begin our service with a call to worship. I'd like to read from Psalm 40 uh, and verses 1 through 3. Psalm 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Through both the baptismals today and the new member's testimony, you're going to hear that testimony over and over again that God rescued these individuals from their sin. He pulled them up out of the miry pit and he gave them a firm place to stand that is only through the completed work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and now we gather together to sing a new song of praise to our God. Let's pray together. Lord, I would pray that today as we gather together for worship, I'd pray that we would sing the new song that you've given us, whether we currently find ourselves in the midst of difficulties that remind us of the the miry pit of the psalmist, or whether we are on the mountaintop today. I pray that our songs would would sound out to you, would be acceptable in your ears because of the completed work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Let's sing together Wonderful, Merciful Savior. of comforts, her comforter, keeper, spirit testimony of all of us who have believed in jesus i once was wandering far from god and yet jesus to rescue me from the wrath of god placed between me and my eternal destiny in hell his precious blood let's sing together come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of God's praise. Teach me songs. tatter, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a feather, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave.
0: Amen. What a joy to sing of the power of God that preserves us as Christians to the very end. We know he will keep us till we're home with him at last. So thank you for singing that. You sound really good today. I wish we just keep singing and singing and singing. Uh, But we're going to give testimony in other ways too. And uh, so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14. So I'm just going to do a brief overview. I know that's every preacher's Famous last words, brief overview of Genesis chapter 14 today. I want to take about 15 minutes or so to walk through this text with you and make some applications to us about our great God uh, that we serve. And then when I'm done, uh, we'll, we'll be having some baptisms and some uh, testimonies. As we come to Genesis chapter 14 in this part of the chapter, we come to the second part of what I called last week the Lot Chronicles, Genesis 13 and 14 describe the first half of Lot's story as he interacts with Abram. And uh, the way these two chapters work uh, is in each chapter there's an issue that must be overcome. Last week in Genesis 13 we talked about the family squabble that existed between Abraham and Lot and their herdsmen. And uh, we learn from Lot what not to do. Uh, Lot, his example is one we shouldn't follow because he chose entirely based upon his own physical desires and needs. He was less concerned about his spiritual well-being. That's why he chose the plain near Sodom and Gomorrah. He also was too comfortable with the sins of Sodom. And what we're going to see as we continue to go through the story, he just becomes more and more comfortable with that wicked city. Abram, however, he, he gave a positive example. He, if you remember, he extends grace. Although he's the older of the two, the uncle who really deserved the best of the land. Abram uh, saw the problem and he extends grace or graciousness to Lot. And you remember, Abram moved quickly to diffuse the strife that was occurring. And I encourage you as a church member, if you're, if you're here today and you know Jesus, to Follow the example of Abraham to move quickly to diffuse strife, whether that's in your home, uh, your extended family, or whether that's in the church here. Move quickly. Follow Abram's example. This week, as we continue with the contrast, the, the contrast occurs near the end of chapter 14 in Moses' portrayal of Abram and a king. So last week it was Abram and Lot, this week, it'll be Abram and a king, the king of Sodom. Um, and the second issue that must be overcome in Genesis 14 is there is an international war that takes place in these chapters. And so everything starts in verses 1 through 12. And these verses I'm not going to read today, at least the first part of them. Uh, In verses 1 through 12, though, you have a war of kings. There are different kings that come to battle. This is the first ever recorded military campaign in your Bible. Again, we won't take the time to read the whole section, and it will spare me from messing up a lot of the king's names. Uh, If you're looking through there, uh, I thought about, you know, recruiting one of you to come up here and, and read these names for us. Uh, But I'll just overview it and give you the most significant points because I want to get to the contrast near the end of the chapter. In these verses, we learn about four kings uh, led by a significant king by the name of Cheddar Laomer. These four kings are primarily from Iran and Iraq, maybe one of them coming from modern-day Turkey. But these four kings rise up against five kings. This is the Battle of Kings. Four kings Versus five kings. The four kings are actually smaller in number, but they're greater in strength, and they come from the east to enforce the continued subjugation of the five kings and the cities that, they, uh, that they, they are over. The report of the battle comes in two ways in verses one through four, and then a second kind of description of it in verses five through 12, and then it ends with a brief description of the location of the battle. And the final results. And I want to read that for you. I think that would be important for us to see. Look down in your Bible verse 10. It says, Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom... And his possessions, and they went their way. So what we find out here is these events take place in a valley, in a valley of Siddam. Earlier in the text, we find out that this valley was a river valley near the Dead Sea. And in the text it's actually called the Salt Sea, and that's because of how salty that sea is. I I read one thing in a commentary this week, uh, a reliable commentator. Scripture, and he said that the 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 water in the Dead Sea is about ten times saltier than the water in the ocean. Uh, So the the uh, the saline content in the ocean is about three percent. The Dead Sea is thirty-two percent, because that's why the Bible calls it the Salt Sea. It's obvious to the original readers. This is the Dead Sea. And what we find out is, in this valley, when the four kings come up against the five, they prevail. And uh, the five kings in their cities, they try to flee. Some are taken captive. Some who get away, they flee up into the mountains. And others flee into or fall into bitumen pits. Those are pits of tar. um, Something like that near the Dead Sea. Uh, Pits of slime near the Dead Sea. And specifically, what we find out in this passage is that, two kings, that we, uh, two kings fall into these pits. The king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah. And we might think that that killed the king of Sodom and Gomorrah. But later on, he's going to reappear in the story. And so it, it may even be, uh, some people make the case that these two kings are cowardly. And the word fall could be that they they let themselves down into these pits to hide while the rest of their city is being destroyed or plundered. Having said that, I think the most significant results of the battle occur in these verses. Sodom and Gomorrah are captured. All their possessions are captured. Lot is captured. And uh, all these people are taken away, the ones who don't flee to the mountains. That sets up an amazing turn of events in verses 13 through 16. Look at verse 13. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, uh, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Aner. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus... Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot and his possessions and the women and the people. Okay, so again, I think this is pretty straightforward. What happens next is there is a surprise ambush. Someone comes and informs Abram that they've taken Lot captive. So Abram takes, and the Bible is very specific here, isn't it? 318 trained men. Okay, men who are able to go to battle from Abram's household. And Abram has an alliance with these three other men who are mentioned in the text as well. And they bring their servants. And they, they chase down these kings who had captured Lot and his family in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their allies. And Abram is successful. He retrieves Lot and his family and Sodom's inhabitants and all of their possessions. That leads to the final contrast that I wanted to emphasize to you in verses 17 through 24. So, in these verses, we'll learn about a greedy king, a godly king, and the heir of God's blessing. Look at verse 17. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram at the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand to the Lord, God, most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eschel, and Mamre take their share. Okay, so after... Abram returns from this stunning victory he has over these four kings. He encounters two other kings, and that's the key to this text. Okay, and it's a little confusing because you, if you're not reading carefully, you might just think it's one king, but there are two kings he, he meets here. Okay, one is mentioned in verse 17, and then verses 21 through 24. That is the king of Sodom. But right in the middle, there's this section about Melchizedek, king of Salem. And... Uh, in this section, this is where the contrast really becomes clear. First, we can make contrast between these two kings. One king is godly, the other is greedy. The godly king, Melchizedek, he brings out gifts to Abram. He also blesses him. And if you notice, he uses his first words to say something to Abram, middle of verse 19. Look there, what are his first words? blessed be Abram okay that's the godly king that's Melchizedek king of Salem but the greedy king does something different the greedy king goes out he doesn't bring out anything to Abraham he barters with Abraham he doesn't bless him And he uses his first words to say something different. Look at verse 21 in the middle of that verse. Look at the very first words of this greedy king. Give me. Give me. They are a study in contrast. Instead of honoring and blessing Abram, the greedy king gives him a command after a successful military adventure. I want to just take a few moments and consider these kings a little bit more closely. First, we'll look at Melchizedek king of Salem Melchizedek starts out in the text by bringing bread and wine to Abram after his victory bread and wine represents luxurious provision for him it's a celebration he's celebrating and he brings this gift to him bread and wine some commentaries by the way will try to work this into their theology of the Lord's table and they'll talk about a priest who will come later a king priest who will come later who will also serve bread and wine. And I think there might be something to that. But what we learn about this Melchizedek is that he comes from Salem. Salem is an ancient uh, name for the city of Jerusalem. Think Jerusalem. His first name is Salem, and it means peace. This is the king of a city of peace. The actual name Melchizedek uh, also means king. But attached to it is the prefix righteousness. And so putting all this together. What we learn about Melchizedek. Is he is the priest of God most high. Of El Elyon. He's the priest of the real God. Who sits and reigns over all. And he is a king of righteousness. And a king of peace. As I told you in our hebrews series i think this text points forward i think melchizedek is likely a a true human being a real human being who um, was a type of jesus who will come later he points the way forward to a greater king priest who will come to honor the same most high god as abraham encounters this man he i think he experiences immediate community with him as a follower of the true God. Melchizedek is a mysterious figure, but he appears, and he's a worshiper of the God Most High, and so Abram experiences immediate community with him as a follower of God. And then Melchizedek blesses Abram, and he blesses God. Look at verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. I, I love this phrase, and I was meditating this week upon this text. God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. This is the first time in the Bible that God will be introduced this way, as El Elyon. He is the sovereign ruler over all of creation, all of heaven and earth. Just for a moment, I invite you to turn to one other text that uses this phrase. Turn back in your Bibles to Daniel 4. I I just want to give you an idea of the significance of this name, Daniel 4. Daniel chapter 4, you have wicked King Nebuchadnezzar who is arrogant and proud. He views himself as a significant and sovereign ruler. And he's going to be confronted in this text by El Elyon, the Most High God. I just want to read this for you. Deuteronomy 4 and verse, I'm sorry, Daniel 4. Sorry. (laughs) I heard all the pages stop. (laughs) And you were pivoting back to Deuteronomy 4. (laughs) Daniel 4. Okay, Daniel 4. Okay, and if you can't find it in time, uh, just listen to this. Daniel 4, verse 30. And the king answered and said This is Nebuchadnezzar Is not this great Babylon which I have built with my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty While the words were still in the king's mouth there fell a voice from heaven O oh, king Nebuchadnezzar to you it is spoken the kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the fields, and you shall, uh, shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of times, or seven years, shall pass over you until you know that the Most High, God Most High, rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he wills. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as e- e- eagles' feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. Verse 34. At the end of the days, end of the seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is his testimony, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed The Most High, and praised him and honored him who lives forever for his dominion. You want to know what God Most High means? Listen to Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So as we think of Melchizedek and as he is a worshiper, of the God most high, I think what's being emphasized here about God is he is the sovereign ruler over all creation forever and ever. This name emphasizes our lowly position and God as the sovereign, omnipotent king over all things. I invite you to turn back to Genesis so we can wrap that up. But I want to make two applications as you turn there. The fact that God is the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, means, I think first, that we can watch world events and know that across the globe, inch by inch, nothing is outside of his control. All right, so, you know, we're living in a time and age where, you know, you know maybe too much access to news, scandals, trouble, difficulties, the very fact that God is the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth means we can watch world events and know across the globe, inch by inch, that God is in control of everything. And you know what? That, that is good to know about world events, but I want to make one more application for us. This also means that the God most high is sovereign over every moment and event in our individual lives as well. Maybe you've experienced some tragic difficulty in the last few months. Do you know that God was in control of what happened to you four months ago? And if you got to God had admitted that to him, God, I know you were in control of what happened to me three or four months ago. God, I know you're using it. You are over it. You can do whatever you see fit. You are the most high God, possessor of all of heaven, all of earth. I trust that God would give us this view of God, not just a lowly God. He is the most high God, superior being to any being in this world or universe, and we can trust him. So Abraham interacts with Melchizedek. Melchizedek blesses him and God most high, and Abraham gives him a tenth of the spoils from the victory as a way of honoring Melchizedek. But, but, but hang with me just for two minutes here. I want you to notice Abram's interaction with the king of Sodom. Okay, so king of Salem, instant community. Both worshipers of the Most High God. King of Sodom. There are many differences here. Two I want to bring to your attention. First difference is the king of Sodom demonstrates greed, not worship of God. His opening words reveal his ungrateful heart as he tries to secure something from Abram. So let's just reread verses 18 through 20. Or, I'm sorry, verse, verse uh, 21 through 23. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing. We won't continue to read there. But here the king of Sodom demonstrates greed. He wants Abram to give back his people. I don't know where this king was hiding, maybe in that bitumen pit, maybe in those, that tar pit or slime pit, but he comes out and he, the audacity of this king. Abram has delivered his people and he, he, wants, he wants the people back. You can keep the possessions and give me the people. According to ancient practices of warfare, the king of Sodom, you know what he was entitled to? Zero. Nothing. He he wasn't to get anything. He's a snake ruling over wicked people who themselves are soon to be judged. But second difference here is Abram wants nothing to do with this king. Remember, king of Salem, Melchizedek, he has immediate... Community with him enjoys that this king wants nothing to do with him And I just see that in three dramatic phrases verse 22. There's a phrase There he says I have lifted up my hand to the Lord God most high possessor of heaven and earth. That means uh, Abram took a vow He took a vow before God about this matter and then in verse 23 we learn The significance of that that I would not take a thread sandal strap or anything that is yours he will not take the smallest of possessions from the king of Sodom. He doesn't want any of it. He won't, you know, a modern way of saying this is, I won't take one cent from you. Not one cent. Lest this king would say, I have made Abram rich. Abram's not interested in that. He's not interested in a king who will exalt himself. He knows that the real source of blessing in his life is the god most high possessor of heaven and earth and then finally in verse 24 he says it again i will take nothing but what the young men have eaten abram has already submitted to and recognized melchizedek as a king he won't do that with the king of sodom he wants nothing to do with this king what a different approach abram has than Lot. And I would suggest that when we as well have a high view of, of our God, of the Most High God, it will enable us to reject temptations around us as well. If there's one thing I would emphasize in this text. It's just that phrase. Do you see it? God Most High. God Most High. Possessor of heaven and earth. Possessor of heaven and earth. And I pray that God will give us, as his followers, a high view of him as well. Maybe you're enduring some sort of temptation, strong, alluring attraction to this world. I pray that you would have a greater view of God, the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Maybe you're enduring suffering, or you went through some hardship, as I said, three or four months ago, or perhaps shorter or longer. And you're so discouraged, thinking on this plane, thinking about all of the the things that are happening, or the people who are doing damage to you, or your name, or your testimony. I pray instead of the people, your focus would be on the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Let me close us with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for uh, the opportunity to look at this text together briefly. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us would have a testimony that would uh, resonate with Abrams, and Melchizedek, they were worshipers of the God most high. They, they knew that you, you were sovereign over all of creation. I pray that we would not be like Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4, who was, who, are, who was convinced of his own significance until you brought him low. But Lord, help us to already know our lowly position. Help us to know your high position as well. We rejoice in that together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this time I invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song together Have the worship team. Uh, Come and lead us in a song, and then we'll have our baptisms. share All right, this time uh, we'll be uh, partaking in some baptisms and uh, we get to rejoice together in what God is doing. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. So the way one is delivered from their sins is by believing in the name of Jesus Christ to rescue them from their sins. That's the only way to be saved. Baptism does not save you. What baptism does? Baptism is an indication that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you believe what I just said about the gospel—that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and that He rose again to not only pay the punishment of your sins but to give victory to you. And so, baptism is just an indication that you identify with Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And uh, it baptism should also be a time of celebration. Because its symbol, symbolism is this. Uh, there will be a moment when I talk about being buried in his likeness and being risen to walk in newness of life. And when we bring each of these nine people up out of the water, it is a reminder to us that Jesus did not stay in the grave. He rose and overcame. And so as we, uh, we uh, participate in these baptisms together, I just, I just encourage you to sit back, enjoy Uh, these testimonies of faith in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. So at this time, I want to invite our first candidate up to be baptized. And so Kate Broughton, if you would come up here, Kate. You can stand right up here. I'm going to hold the microphone for us. And so if you could tell us your testimony, okay?
2: My name is Kate, and I believe that Jesus died, was buried, rose again in three days, and is the only way to salvation. The reason I want to get baptized is because I want to show everybody that I believe all these things. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 10, 9, which says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
0: Amen. That's a wonderful testimony, Kate. And I had the opportunity to talk with Kate and to hear her statement of faith in Jesus Christ alone for her salvation, as I've done with all of these candidates today. So, Kate, let's try to get up in there into that baptistry, and I'll help you. Well, that's a big step for you, right? Okay, there you go. Okay, turn around like that. And then can you sit down? You're not going to disappear. Okay, perfect. Okay. (laughs) Kate, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the only Savior of men, and upon his commandment that all believers should be baptized, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried in his likeness, and risen to walk in newness of life. Good job, Kate. All right, your All right, our next candidate is Claire Broughton. If you step up here and read your testimony to us as well.
3: My name is Claire. I was saved when I was about 5. I know and believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, on, was buried and rose again on the 3rd day, and that is the only way to be saved. I want to get baptized because I want to show everyone that I am a believer in Jesus. I have two favorite verses. Number one is Acts two thirty-eight, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And number two is John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life.
0: Amen. That's a wonderful testimony as well, Claire. Let's make our way into there. All right, and if you could sit down as well. Come this way just a little bit, okay? Perfect. Claire, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior of men, upon his commandment that all believers should be baptized, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in his likeness, risen to walk in newness of life. Congratulations. (laughs) Our next candidate is Patrick Litchfield. All right. Stand right up here and give your testimony to us, Patrick.
3: Hello, my name is Patrick Litchfield and I am here today to publicly proclaim my faith in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus because he loved me and died on the cross to pay for the penalty of my sins. I believe he rose again and is now preparing a place for me in heaven. Today I want to be baptized in obedience to God's plan. I want to let people know that I am trusting in Christ alone for my salvation. And I want him to be the Lord of my life. A verse that helps me to know that I am saved is Romans 10:9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
0: All right, very clear. Thank you very much, Patrick. And if you would step into the baptistry as well. All right, and Yeah. Good. So why don't you come this way? Actually, stand up. Okay. Face that way. Now sit down. Into the water. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Patrick, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior of men, and upon his commandment that all believers should be baptized, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in his likeness, risen to walk in the newness of life. Great job, Patrick. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your testimony. I'm going to borrow one of these here for a second. (laughs) All right, I think our next candidate is Ian. Ian Litchfield, if you would come up here as well. Ian, you're going to stand right here, and I'll hold your mic for you, okay?
3: Hi, my name is Ian Litchfield. I believe that Jesus created me and that he came to earth and died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose again on the third day, and I am trusting in Jesus alone for my salvation. Do you know why I want to get baptized? I want to get baptized to obey my Lord Jesus Christ and to let everybody know that he is my savior. First John chapter one, seven through nine says, the blood of Jesus God's son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, We are only fooling ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
0: All right, excellent job there, Ian. All right, I'm going to pull your stuff over here, okay? Okay, and then we're going to get up into here. Can you do that? I can help you. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, got it. Now spin this way. Okay, and sit down right into the water. You can hang on to the side if that helps you. Okay. I love what he said there. He said, uh, he asked, do you want to know why I'm getting baptized? I have trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I want you all to know that. Something like that's a powerful testimony. Ian, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior of men. Upon his commandment, all believers should be baptized. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why don't you take your hands off here and sit down, okay? You'll still be above the water. Okay. Buried in his likeness. You want to plug your nose? Risen arisen to walk in his life. Amen. Good job. Good job. No baptisms the same uh, up here. And that's a good thing. All right, so next we've got uh, Gray Bechtel. Gray, if you want to come up here, I'll hold this. let make it stand right here, and I'll hold this for you.
4: I trust Jesus as my Savior because I know that he died for me and took away my sins so I can go to heaven with him. After hearing God's word, I wanted to be baptized. And a verse that I think is special is Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed.
0: Amen. With his wounds we are healed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, Gray, let's step up into here. Okay, and you just sit down right there. Gray upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, upon his commandment that believers should be baptized. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried in his likeness, and risen to walk in newness of life. Good job, Gray. All right, then we have. I believe Haven Jones. You're coming first, right, Haven? Okay. Haven Jones. And uh, here is the mic. I'll hold it for you.
3: Okay. My name is Haven Jones, and I believe that Christ died on the cross and rose three days later. The reason why I want to become a member of Colonial is because I want others to know that I love Jesus Christ. My favorite verse is Romans 5.1. It says... Therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. All right. Thank you very much, Haven. Uh, you can go ahead and get in there now. Okay. All right. And then you spin like that and sit down. Perfect. Okay. Haven, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and upon his commandment, the believers should be baptized, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried in his likeness and risen to walk in innocent life. All right, there you go. All right, and then her sister Haley is going to come now. Haley Jones. All right, Haley, here you
3: go. My name is Haley Jones, and I believe that Jesus has died for me on the cross, was buried, and rose three days later. I want to serve him and obey him as my Lord and Savior. One of my favorite Bible verses is 1 Peter five ten, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I like this verse because even if we have to go through a little suffering, it gives us hope, knowing that God will be alongside us and take care of us.
0: Amen. That's a great testimony. Haley, why don't you go ahead and get in there as well? Haley, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior of men and upon his commandment that believers should be baptized, I baptize you my sister in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, move this down this way a little bit? buried in his likeness, and risen to walk in the newness of life. Uh, Haley and Haven, who just were baptized, they'd also like to join the church, and so in a little while, when we hear new members' testimony, they just gave theirs right here, and uh, we'll vote to receive them as well. Uh, now, we have uh, very special uh, two final candidates for baptism. Uh, we're going to have a, a father and a daughter, Ashraf and Amanda Bechet, and I'll let them give their own testimony, but it's been exciting to see what God has done in their lives, so Ashraf, if you would come first.
5: I'm so very glad to give my testimony and uh, my witness about the work of our Lord Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life. One passage that summarizes God's work in my life is found in Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And this, pas- this passage is talking about my past. I was dead in sins and, and um Just by God's grace, God who is rich in mercy, saved me in Jesus Christ. And uh, he gave me a guarantee for eternal life to show his uh, uh, gentleness, to show his love to the end of the ages uh, uh, that comes. Um, I thank the Lord uh, for his work in my heart. I was born in a Christian family, and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ when I was 14 years old. Um, I love the Bible. One, three passages that are very special for me are found in um, uh, Titus 3, 4, and 5, Acts um, 26, 18, and uh, John 14, 21, especially when the Lord Jesus Christ I promised that those disciples who keeps my who keep my commandments um, will be a, a family with God the Father and um, God the Father manistif his his Himself to the believer. Um, I'm so glad to be a part of God's family through baptism and faith in Christ Jesus our Lord, only in faith in Christ.
0: take your way up into there. Okay, now spin like this and then sit down in the center there. It's been wonderful to get to know Ashraf and we enjoy great Christian fellowship as we were talking today that instant community. Uh, he's got a tremendous ministry. If you've never had a chance to talk with him about his ministry and so it's just such a privilege. And as he's been studying the scripture, he came to realize that uh, for him uh, in studying the scripture, baptism should come after conversion. And I, I told him when we met a little while ago, I think we can do something about that. Uh, so uh, we're going to go forward with the baptism now. Ashraf, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and upon his commandment that all believers should be baptized, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried in his likeness. Risen to walk in newness of life. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your willingness. Man. Yeah. All right. And then finally, Amanda. Didn't know if you're gonna hug your wet father there. Maybe after this one, we'll (laughs) we'll do that, right? Okay, Amanda, if you want to come up here, you can give your testimony.
3: On March 2nd, 2020, I opened the door of my heart and let Jesus Christ in. On that day I understood that no one can save me except Jesus. I was born and raised in a Christian family. But like anyone who wasn't saved, I wanted to go my own way, my worldly way, my sinful way. But by the help of Pastor Keith and his wife. And my parents understood that I needed Jesus to be truly saved. And I I thought I needed to try to be saved or memorize verses from the Bible or or to pray and read the Bible more. But that wasn't the case. The only way to be saved is through him, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to him, the Father, except through me, John 14, 6. Now Now I am a year old in Christ. I need to show the world that I have accepted Jesus as my Savior. I have let Jesus in, but I now desire to help others know that Jesus is there knocking at their heart. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Matthew 28:18 through 20. I desire to show the world that I was, want to be a witness of God to humanity and share the good news, the gospel. God has called me to be his ambassador of Christ, and I shall obey him. Psalms, Proverbs, Romans, and Hebrews are amazing books I like to read and study in. A verse I like to keep in mind is Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened do, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. In Titus 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and, god- and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and, and godly lives in the present age. Thank you.
0: Wow, that's very good. Very good. All right, Amanda, you can make your way in there as well. All right, and then you can come a little bit this way. And then sit down. Okay. Amanda, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and upon his commandment that all believers should be baptized, I baptize you my sister in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit buried in his likeness, and risen to walk in newness of life. All right, excellent job. All right, well, that's a good number of baptisms, but there's still uh, opportunities to see the Lord work and save people, and then to see them come later on and declare to us as a church, What God has done in saving them through baptism. This is a a moment to celebrate, uh, Colonial. And I I wish we could do this. uh, Let's let's try this about every other week or so. And if we we, uh, can do it, let's do it every week. That would be wonderful to see uh, people identifying with Christ in this way. This time I invite our uh, prospective new members. There are seven of you, uh, primarily on that side. If you would stand up and make your way to the front, we're going to hear your testimonies. As they come, let me just say, giving a public testimony like this can be pretty intimidating. Uh, It can be pretty scary, and I recognize that. And so I'm so proud of each one who's done that through baptism. And now the ones who'll be joining uh, through public testimony. I've heard all of their testimonies. I've read over them and uh, made sure uh, that I think that it declares that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved and that they've repented of their sins. And so as we hear these testimonies, again, let's rejoice. There are two others that will uh, likely give their testimony uh, next week. They're sick this week, and so uh, two other adults will let them give their testimony next week. And so if you could introduce yourself, step up to the mic. You can take your mask down if you want, if you're comfortable with that. um, And uh, introduce your, your name to us, and then read your statement.
4: Hi, I'm Brooks Bulger. I would like to become a member so that I may help the church and the people of the church. My favorite verse from the Bible is 1 John 2.1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I believe that this verse is telling me that Jesus gave his life for us, and when we sin, we can be forgiven by him if we repent of our sins. I am trusting in his finished work on the cross for my salvation.
3: Hello, my name is Elizabeth Grand. I believe that Jesus Christ came down to earth to die on the cross for my sins. I know that I am a sinner, and I've asked God to forgive me of my sins through the work of Jesus Christ. I put my trust in the Lord with everything I do. My favorite verse is Psalm 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He lay, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they cover me.
2: Hello. My name is Abigail Spears. Um, I want to join the church today and be obedient to God. I put my faith in Jesus at a young age of five years old, but even then, I knew that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus who died for my sins and rose again so that I could be with him forever. And as I've continued to grow with my him in my walk, um, I've learned how faithful He is despite how unfaithful I am, and my desire is to honor and glorify Him and step out in obedience to Him today with, with you all. One of my favorite verses is Colossians three twenty three, which says, uh, "Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men."
4: Good morning.
2: My name is Beverly
4: Garris. Growing up, my family did not attend church on a regular basis, but I did attend Sunday school occasionally. So I learned about the gospel, and I knew I wanted to go to heaven, and I was very, very sorry for my sin. The only problem was is that I trusted in myself to get to heaven and being good. I thought that if I got saved, I would no longer have any sin in my life. So I decided that I was just not good enough to go to heaven. Many years later, as an adult, I discovered 1 John 1.10. If we say that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar, and his word is not in us. This has became my life's verse. I know now that the only way to be saved from my sin is to trust that Jesus died for me, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. I put all my trust in him. I love the Lord, and I want to be obedient and serve him here at Colonial Baptist with you. Thank you.
1: Good morning, my name is Matt Feist. I believe that Jesus defeated sin and death by becoming a man while remaining God, that while on earth he paid the penalty for my sin by dying on the cross, being buried, and rising again. I have joined this gospel by my faith in Jesus' finished work. I desire to grow in him and be obedient to him, and because of that desire, I want to be a member of Colonial Baptist Church. I find hope in Revelation 2220, which says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.
3: My name is Kate Feist. I believe that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus was crucified, died, and rose again on the third day. I am trusting in Christ alone for my salvation. I love the words of Jesus in John five twenty four Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I love God, and I desire to grow more in love with him each day and serve him by being obedient to his word.
2: Hi, I'm Hazel Callahan, and I grew up with a Christian family, and I have sinned, and God didn't give up on me and save me. And... When I was 40 years old, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I prayed. I, I never asked God, why me? I just prayed, and I told God that to be with me during this procedure and, and give me strength. And he did that because he loves me. And that's why I'm here right now in front of all of you. Healthy and blessed. And my favorite verse is Trust in the Lord, Proverbs, Proverbs 3 5 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy under, own understanding. In all their ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct our path.
0: Amen. <clears throat> It's been wonderful to hear these testimonies, uh, both in the baptistry and here, and uh, you heard it over and over again. Jesus died on the cross, and he rose again by the power of God to deliver you from the consequences of your sin. If you're here today and you've never believed in the name of Jesus Christ to deliver you from sin and the consequences of your sin, uh, we would encourage you to do that right now in a moment of prayer, perhaps, at your seat to just call out to the Lord to admit your sin to him and to uh, repent of that sin and to turn to f- in faith to Jesus Christ. Um, at this time, uh, with these testimonies here uh, from our new members, and then reminding you that there were two teenagers who also have gone through the class and would like to join who were just baptized, Haley and Haven Jones. were also voting on them. I would uh, entertain a motion and a second so that we could vote on them for membership. So Doug Kent is a first or motion. And then second would be Greg Jacob in the back. Um, Any discussion on that? Okay, good. I don't want much discussion here. Um, All in favor of uh, adding these prospective members to our membership, say aye. Aye. Uh, Any opposed? All right, you're all members for us. Let me just uh, pray for you real quick here. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, this group. I thank you for how you've worked in individual lives. Uh, and, and Lord, uh, just to be able to get to know them a bit over the last several weeks or months in some cases and to see uh, how they have uh, been rescued, how they've been delivered from their sin is such a joy. Uh, Lord, uh, we celebrate today. We celebrate that you overcame death, you overcame sin. And because of that, we have a a personal and close relationship with you. We do not stand here today or sit here today in this auditorium in our own righteousness. We're not like Nebuchadnezzar or like the king of Sodom who say, it was my work, my majesty, my power. But we're like Melchizedek. We're like Abram that would say, it's because the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth has been gracious to me through his son, that I'm saved. I pray for each one of these new members. I pray that you would use their gifts in our body, and I pray that we would encourage them as well in their walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You all can go have a seat. I invite you all to stand. Uh, We're going to close in just a moment with a covenant song uh, that we'll sing uh, together. There'll be no benediction. This will be our uh, final song. This Sunday we've emphasized the importance of membership in our covenant community here at Colonial Baptist Church. We're going to sing this final song together. It's called The Covenant Song.
1: We'll no. Are dismissed.